This is episode 57, and Miles, we are excited to bring the show you, our listeners, tonight. Right, Ab- Miles? Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be a phenomenal show. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here to tell you what is going on, at least a little bit, in the world of sci-fi. And to give our thoughts and opinions about uh, some of the current sci-fi we're seeing on TV right yeah, now. Yeah, typically we do a lot. We do a fair amount of news, mm-hmm. and we cover that. But t- tonight, and this is still news, I guess a type of news, but we're kind of giving you our opinion of the current TV shows that are going on in here. Sorry, Kevin Batchelder, don't mean to be treading on your uh, your other podcast here, but we want to share our thoughts about current sci-fi shows that we're watching. We probably won't get quite all of them in, so stay tuned. You might get actually a two-for-one deal this week. We might do an after-hours segment here if we don't get through all the shows we want to talk about. That's It's going to be a good show. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to talk about the shows because we really didn't talk too much ahead of time about what we're thinking about the shows we've been watching. No, so it's kind of on the fly. Yeah, on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a few notes kind of pounded out here, but mm-hmm. it is, it's definitely going to be good. By the way, we said that Mary was going to be with us this week if you listened to last week's episode, and I'm very sorry to say – we were crying when we heard this. Actually, exciting. I was. I was like, Mary, Mary. The deal is, you know, she's in the middle of, you know, moving and uh, she has, I think there was some theater function tonight. And so we are going to uh, get her on the show after she's moved, settled into mm-hmm. a new place, probably mid-May. So if you're looking forward to hearing Mary, I'm sorry. You're going to have to, like, stick with us tonight because, you know, whatever. I understand. There's just something about Mary. Yeah, you know, we aren't quite as sexy, don't have... Quite as melodious of a voice, but, you know, whatever. We will have to do. Yep, yep. You're stuck with us. But anyways, uh, we are really excited about the show tonight. We are going to be talking about a lot of different shows that we're interested in, mm-hmm. and we want to hear about the shows that you're watching and love. Uh, in fact, we were just ta- I was just chatting with Don, who used to be one of the original guys in the show way back when, was mm-hmm. dining at the end of the universe, chatting with him ahead of time, and he was talking. He says, are you watching Doctor Who? And unfortunately, I haven't been. I just have no time in my schedule to watch Doctor Who. Right. There's just so and much I, I absolutely heard, I'm hearing great things about Matt Smith, about the new Doctor that's mm-hmm. taken over, but uh, I have not watched it. So if you're watching Doctor Who and want to give us your comments on that, please call in to one 508 And if you are overseas, you can always send us an MP3 to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com, and we'll be, we'll be happy to play them on the show. We love the MP3. Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal. Well, on the menu tonight, Miles, let's get to our menu since we are a diner after all. Sure. We are going to serve up a wonderful interview with the Brown Coats, uh, Brown Coats, if I can speak here, Redemption producer Michael C. Doherty. We met him, of course, at Farpoint, had a great interview. Yeah, we got mm-hmm. to hear them kind of premiere, see them, I guess, premiere the trailer right. three, which we're actually going to play a clip of in the show mm-hmm. tonight. At least it's a plan. And as he talks about, you know what? What it means to bring to fruition the the latest brown coats, really the first fan made brown coats movie. Right. There's been some efforts to try to put get get them off the ground, but I think this is the first one that's really made it. Yeah, this is the one that's going to actually come out because I think there's two other efforts that they've talked about, and he right. may he might mention that a little bit in his interview a little bit later on. But that was actually a great. Uh, interview. We, of course, there's one week left to win a signed Felicia Day Guild print. So if you're into Felicia Day and into the Guild, this is something you want to get. So far, we have one vote in. That's you, Hearn. Uh, yes, that's right. We mentioned your name in the show. We are going to give an update on our favorite shows, as we mentioned before. Fringe, Stargate Universe, Caprica, Human Target, Flash Forward, V, and Smallville, and maybe whatever else we feel like talking about. I think Caprica, we mentioned, we're going to talk about probably after hours. Right. So these are the shows that we're talking about. If you're watching any of these shows, please let us know. What are you thinking? Yep, absolutely. It's going. It's it's going to be great. That's for sure. Well, Miles, we have a a, a little bit of show news here. Let's let's cover that before we get by before we retell everyone the trivia. Right, um, listeners. Um, 
We're going to Shore Leave 32 in I July. cannot wait. It's going to be phenomenal. This guy's a great guest list. Um, if you're going to be there, let us know. Maybe we could do a meetup sometime, uh, have a drink, whatever. But it would be great to meet up with you in person. So let, if you're coming to Shore Leave 32, um, email us, leave a message, do something. Let us know you're going to be there. And we have actually had a lot of guests that we have interviewed that are going to be there. I know uh, – uh, well, Keith, Dayton, and mm-hmm. Kevin Dilmore are all slated to be there as well. Right, and I believe the, the folks from uh, Starship Farragut will probably be there too. Uh, Farragut will be there, and we have an interview that we haven't played yet, so we got to play that sometime. Yeah, yes. That's going to come probably in May sometime. We have mm-hmm. an interview that we have yet to air with them. And um, not to mention uh, Richard uh, Richard Wright, uh, who we're going to be interviewing beginning of May, will Author, also yeah. be there. So we have some authors that are going to be there, mm-hmm. and it's always a rip-roaring funny good time. Some great guests this year. Absolutely. Uh, if, you, if you're a Battlestar Galactica fan, um, the Admiral himself, uh, uh, Edward James Alamos is going to be there. Uh, Starbuck. And Starbuck, uh, Katie Sackhoff is going to be there. Stargate fans. Weir's going to be there. Yep. Oh, there's just like Kevin Sorbo is going to be there. Mm-hmm. If you're a Hercules fan, it's it's going to be a phenomenal time. It, it will. So please, folks, uh, let us know if you're coming and maybe we could, we could hang out. Have you seen Riverworld, Miles? No, but I did record it. It's on my DVR, mm-hmm. and I cannot wait to see uh, how my, you know. Tamal Petty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in that again. And, you know, here's the deal. We are not going to be talking about Riverworld tonight, although we wish we were, because we haven't watched it. But we are going to talk about it next week. So if you have watched Riverworld, we want to know what you think. So, listeners, call in again. Send us an email at the address we gave you earlier. We want to know what you're thinking. Send us an email. It doesn't matter. Um, an MP3. We want to hear from you and hear what your thoughts were on Riverworld. It seems to be getting some really good reviews. Mm-hmm. At least it's what I'm seeing on Twitter. So looks good. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. If you've never checked it out and you're a Fringe fan, you got to check out this episode. It's it's great. They do a really good job of dissecting the shows, reacting to listener feedback, mm-hmm. talking about their thoughts and theories. And I do a little segment called the Fringe Quote of the Week. Mm-hmm. In a couple of weeks, uh, we'll, we'll be interviewing Richard Wright. Uh, he wrote uh, Echoes of Coventry. Uh, it's a Starfleet Corps of Engineers uh, novel. Um, also, Ultimate Hulk, uh, Gauntlet, Dark Legacy, Part 1, The Pass of Evil. And uh, look forward to speaking with him. Yeah, we'll be meeting him, of course, at Shore Leave. He's one of the mm-hmm. authors that we said is going to be at Shore Leave. And if you've read any of this guy's stuff and you want to ask him some questions, just, again, email us, call us. We'll be happy to share those on the show. Mm -hmm. But he's not the only author we have coming up. We have David J. Williams. Now, if you have not heard of this author, it means that you are not reading the Autumn Rain trilogy, and you should be because this series looks good, especially if you're a hard sci-fi fan. He's kind of equated in the the realm of the neuromancer with William Gibson. It is is a phenomenal book. We got the first two in, and we're going to be reading it, mm-hmm. and we're going to be interviewing him the beginning of May as well. And so, if you want to ask him any questions or want us to comment, I want him to comment on anything in his books. Just let us know. Uh, Autumn Rain Trilogy. You can just look that up on the web, and um, in that, and in fact, I'll give you the URL here because I have it up. But you can find the Autumn Rain Trilogy and find out more about it. The third book in the trilogy is being released next month. Uh, and the, the URL for that is www.autumnrain2110.com, and that'll get you there. Cool. So they have excerpts of the book. They have a trailer for the book. It looks pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I saw the cover. The cover is impressive. Yep, it's very cool, and uh, we're going to be reading it mm-hmm. and giving you our thoughts on the book uh, probably over the next couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. obviously we're going to be interviewing him. Very it's going to be a hot dog good time. So uh uh, uh, folks who uh, like to read sci-fi, we're going to have some good stuff for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we don't just do movies on here. Every once in a while. Every once in a while, there's some good books out there. Yeah, we yeah, talk yeah, about. yeah. We want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move into our trivia, Miles. We have uh, our trivia question from last week, and it's due in next week. Yes. And so far, one vote is in, so we got to get more people voting in this. What is the prize for this awesome trivia that we have? We have a lovely autographed uh, picture of Felicia Day with her uh, fellow cast members from the Guild. And uh, the question was, um, in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, Felicia Day's character is called Penny. However, after she dies, how does the newspapers and media refer to her? Yeah. yeah. So if you, again, know this answer, you want to win a signed copy of The Guild by Felicia Day, The Guild posted by Felicia Day, send your answer and your mailing address to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com, or you can call us and leave that information on one 508 4343 
Or you can DM us on Twitter at the Sci-Fi Diner. And either way, we'll get you that prize. Yes. Uh, before we go into our thoughts on the shows we're watching, uh, uh, two things. We're going to be playing a promo for the, Sci- the Safe Haven podcast. These are some good old Southern boys associated with the uh, uh, Southern Society of Science Fiction. And they put out a podcast called Safe Haven Podcast. We're going to be playing their promo in just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. But we forgot to mention our news that we have a new segment of the show tonight. And uh, one that you're going to be running, Miles. Well, this is a, something that I particularly like. Uh, so uh, basically, it's very basically it's just uh, this week in Star Trek news. Right. So it's going to be a brief little blip of what's going on in the world of Star Trek. You know, it made sense, Miles, because we were talking about Star Trek anyways in right. every single show. So why not give it its own little corner of the universe here? Which, so I, which gonna, I appreciate. Yeah, so what we did is we stuck Miles in the back corner booth of the diner so no one could see him and associate with him, and so he could just talk about Star Trek. See, that would have been okay a few years ago, but now that the new Star Trek movie has come out, Star Trek is cool right now, so... Yeah, it's you, true. You can't hide me in the corner anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Anyways, here's a promo for the Safe Haven Podcast. Check out the new geeks on the block at the Safe Haven Podcast, brought to you by the Southern Sci-Fi Society. The Safe Haven Podcast is an informal roundtable where geeks from all walks of life come together to discuss everything from gaming, podcasts, sci-fi, fantasy, horror movies, television, web series, anime, and comics. Each week, there'll be something different and something fun. So check us out at SouthernSciFiSociety.net and get geeky. And screw all y'all. Hey, geeky. Geeky, 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 not a lot of new news, although there'll be a little bit interspersed here. We're really talking about the shows that we're watching and love. And one of the ones that we want to start out with is Stargate Universe. Now, this is a show, as I've gone back to the archives, one that we've been talking about for a very long time. So when it hit the air in September, we were excited about the show. And we're really disappointed that we had such a long break, but it's back on. And it has to be one of the hottest shows in science fiction, at least for the Sci-Fi Channel right now. Yeah, I think this this, this is definitely a winner for the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, and, and what a phenomenal continuation of the Stargate franchise. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm not as familiar with the Stargate franchise. I've not, I didn't watch Stargate One or Atlantis. I will sometime in the near future, but um, I'm really enjoying Stargate yeah. Universe. You know, I was thinking about as – as I watched this past week's episode, I believe it was episode, I think it was called uh, – was it called Faith? I forget. Yeah, okay, it was, it was called Faith, mm-hmm. and oh, Michael Shanks is going to be on next week. He's one of the original SG-1 characters. Very cool. So he'll be on the, the episode coming up this week. It's kind of a flashback because I know that Rush meets him and finds out all about the Stargate program through him or something like that. Right. I don't want to be giving anything away. It's all in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm not really spoiling anything here just so you know. As I watched this past week's episode, I thought back to the original film, you know, with Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. James Spader, the one that started it all. And I was thinking, you know, I think the Stargate universe very much has a flavor of the original film. It was it was not kind of the slapstick comedic thing that Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis seemed to be. Now, I did see the movie, and it, there is a um – a grittiness, a you know, a little more naturalistic um, tone to the show, and then the movie had that too. I mean, it was yeah, and I think that's what I'm referring to. And it made me want to go back and watch. I watched the movie numerous times, mm-hmm. and you know, it's kind of one of those things that it's the thing that started it all. You mm-hmm. know, in a sense, it started this entire genre, this whole universe that we have now become engrossed in. Right. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, let's talk a little bit about what makes this show work for us, Miles. And uh, I guess I wanted to think, I was thinking, like, what do we like, what don't we like? And mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, like, the characters, the ship, the aliens, and the worlds. Very complex, interesting characters. There's a lot of conflict. Um, I mean, they, they said this show is going to be a little more stronger, stronger character-driven show as opposed to maybe... The plot driven and um, 
and, and the darker tone. This is this definitely has a darker tone to it. Now, we early on compared this to Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. and I think as I continue to watch a show, this still rings true because you have a very uh, Battlestar Galactica. They were always heading toward Earth, always trying to get to Earth, mm-hmm. just like in in this case, they're always trying to get home. Uh, and they go on these little adventures along the way, but it's really more about the characters than it is about the actual plot. Not the plot isn't important here. Right. But uh, what are some of the standout characters, Miles? Well, an easy one is is Dr. Rush. I mean, oh, yeah. You don't know. I mean, the man has obviously has his own agenda in, in all this, and you don't know if – it's great. You don't know – last couple when, – when the show first came back on – like, you know, it'd be great if Rush was was here, but in other episodes he's hated, mistrusted. So it's it, 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 it's a great conflict going on with with him. Um, uh, Eli, the, the boy genius. I mean, uh, you know, he was just a um, a, a slacker playing, uh, you know, MMOs, and uh, but he's he's a, he's a genius, and um, you get to see his, his character develop and, and him step up. I mean, he, he's not, you know. He's being forced to be a hero here, and he's not prepared for it at all. No, no, he, he doesn't really consider himself one. But he is, you know, we talked about how SG-1 and Atlanta's were really comedic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. He is, in some ways, the comedy of the show because he's such a um, bumbling, intelligent, right. smart kid. Mm-hmm. You know, the show, he, he brings this kind of humor that we almost need because it is a very – because Rush certainly isn't giving us much humor. No, he's not giving us uh, any humor at all. Um, no, neither is Colonel Everett Young. He's not giving us any humor either. Uh, yeah, so, right. I mean, uh, Eli's the one that's giving us the humor. I mean, I'm always laugh at something he's saying. Uh, another one is Sergeant Greer, uh, one of the uh, Marines. Um, oh, yeah. I like him. I mean uh, – And his humor I don't think is almost – he's almost so stony and cold, but he does it in such a funny way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I, I do like him, and of course, there's Brian Jacob Smith, Matthew Scott in the episode. There, there were just a lot of good characters, right? And I think that again, this is what I really wish my wife was watching it, mm-hmm. uh, and we just don't have time to watch all the shows we want to watch, so I don't watch it with her. We watch, she watch my own. But this is an episode. This is a series that I think she would really latch onto, and I said that about Battlestar Galactica too. Again, intensely character driven, um, and to my, the point where mm-hmm. we. Go ahead. My my wife is watching it with me, and so uh, she's you know she's liking it for the same reason for you know the thing the things that made Battlestar Galactica a good show are are making SGU a, a great show. Yeah, and I think it's doing well. They renewed it for a second season, right? Yeah, there's at least a second mm-hmm. season in the works. Uh, tell, let's talk about Destiny, the Destiny ship. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, this is there's been a, there's been one other alien ship that we really have seen, but but let's talk about Destiny. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the main ship? This is the you know, it's like Galactica mm-hmm. in that this is the ship that they're stuck on. Right, they're stuck on it. It's an old ship, but it also has mysteries. They, they're, they're, it, it, this ship is huge, and I don't think they've explored a quarter of the ship yet. So um, I think there'll be more things they'll discover on this ship. Um, I think the ship is more of a plot device. It's more of just getting our, our, our characters far from home and just seeing how they deal with all these problems. You know, in a lot of ways, you might be able to argue this is kind of like Lost. You shipwreck everyone in the island, and let's see how they react. Right. But the island just happens to be inside a ship mm-hmm. and um, happens to have a lot of mysteries to it. It's And it's it's kind of like Atlantis, too, because they're stuck in this place. They're exploring Atlantis. They discover new territories in it. And as this past week's episode, they discover what they think was a robot. But they kind of introduce it and mm-hmm. then let it go. So you better believe that's probably going to come up in a future episode sometime. Right, right. So I, I think the nice thing is, I mean, there's so much unexplored territory with this ship. We'll, we'll see some new and interesting situations. Now, Stargate has traditionally been about aliens. Um, we finally, part, part about halfway through the season, we begin to encounter some aliens. What are some of the aliens we've seen so far, Miles? Well, we've only seen um, a couple episodes back with those yeah, very, I, I, don't I don't know their name. I don't know what they're called, but they're very. I mean, they were not definitely not human in appearance, um, and definitely, you know, CGI uh, aliens. Uh, they have blue heads and kind of the traditional aliens you think of when you when you think of you know aliens from outer space. Yeah. Now we did encounter like some microbial aliens. This is in the water supply. Yeah. That, that, 
And so that was kind of that was kind of an interesting look at aliens, but not very not very alien intensive, right? So far, no. Yeah. Um, and and the chair is going to come into play. We have a chair, and that was a throwback to well, actually, Atlantis and SG One. Mm-hmm. So we have another chair here. Uh, let's talk about the worlds that they visited real quickly here. Any standout worlds for you? Well. Um... The last episode, this this whole world is this whole solar system is a mystery. I mean, uh, Eli's postulating that it, this is an artificial, you know, uh, star system and planet, and so um, it seems like a near perfect world for uh, these people. So it suggests maybe another alien race that's out there creating these. Well, it, do, it does strong because there, there's actually a skyscraper that was yeah, on, or an obelisk, an obelisk, or something. Yeah. yeah, something in there that's. Mm-hmm. That's like that. I think one of the worlds that stuck out to me was the world where they abandoned Rush on. And right. I think what made that world so great for me is that you're just going along and all of a sudden you see a ship. And this is the first time you saw evidence of actual other aliens mm-hmm. there. Right? Right. And I like it. It's a good show. If you have not been watching SGU, you have to watch it. Oh, I, 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 I 100% agree with you. Now, you, I think you had some news on SGU, didn't you? What, yes. what, 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 go ahead. Let's share that before we move on into our next show. So, um, doing a little research, uh, looks like they're going to move, uh, SGU to Tuesday nights, uh, for next season. Yeah. And not only that, you said Sanctuary as well. Was there another Caprica, I think, as well? Right. All Tuesday nights. Now, none of these shows aired simultaneously. I no. Mean, Sanctuary was in the fall. Caprica was kind of mid-season. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, that's not true. I think that there was a little bit of overlap with, um, Sanctuary and SGU. Right. But uh, SGU is running, uh, I think, at the 20, 20 episode arc and the others are 13 episode arcs. And were they putting in on Friday night's place, uh, wrestling? Of course. I mean, what would the sci-fi channel be without, chair, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. So, uh, exciting news that we're going to get it on a Tuesday night. Um, as long as it's going to be competing with V then. Unless, v, unless v, v changes. Right, or unless V it, it, it had its season finale by time. I'm not sure when. Uh, well, well, it depends when they bring it. depends if it gets renewed for next season. True. I don't think we know that quite yet. Right, so they, so if it does, it's likely they'll probably put on a different day. I hope it does. I hope yeah. it does. But we'll talk about that in a moment. You have one other piece of Stargate news, and then we got to move on. Um, folks, uh, go to Stargate's uh, website. Uh, to their YouTube page because they have what they call these, these Kino webisodes. They're about maybe two, three minutes long, just little vignettes. Uh, if, if you need a Stargate fix, um, similar to Battlestar Galactica did, they have these little webisodes, but uh, SGU is that. I, I watched a couple of them today. They were pretty good. Yeah, you know what? And we talked about these prior to Stargate ever airing, and then when the Stargate aired, we never went back and checked in on them. Mm-hmm. So it's good to know that they're out there. So if you right. want more SGU and what you're seeing on Friday night's not enough, go check out the Kino episodes. Yes. All right, let's go into V. You, I uh, guess we're going to introduce this. Talk, let's talk a little bit about V now that we're in and we're heading toward, I guess, the season finale soon. Right. Um, we're really starting to see the conflict between the human resistance and the visitors now. Um, and just seeing, um, where, 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 what direction the characters are going. Um, this, this, um, this season really started taking off with things going on. Um, we now have uh, a woman who, you know, she she is having a visitor human uh, hybrid child, um, and she knows it now. Now she knows it. She um, and um, they're slowly getting the one uh, kid, uh, Tyler, him to embrace the V's more to get him to move to the ship, and um, just and John May's son. John May's son, uh, we saw, I don't think we're giving anything away. Um, Unless you're not watching. If you aren't watching it, stop, go back and watch V and then listen. Uh, we saw Georgie, um, the, the doctor, so Georgie wouldn't get tortured anymore. Georgie got captured in an episode. They tortured him. The doctor had a, basically a mercy killing. But have we seen the last of Georgie? Yet? I mean, it was just kind of. Uh, yeah, hey, we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, the the entire thing, you know, we talked about SGU being character-driven. Mm-hmm. And while V is not near as character-driven as SGU is, mm-hmm. it is still a very character-driven show. We're finding out tons of stuff about these characters and these. there's a duplicity to them mm-hmm. uh, in some cases, the stuff that they're hiding. Um, hey, it was just great for me to see Crycheck. Did you watch X-Files at all? Um, I, I 
Nicholas, not regularly. Yeah. Well, Nicholas Leia, the uh, who was uh, supposedly the father of Tyler, mm-hmm. uh, was Crycheck in the X Files. Oh, okay. So I was a huge fan. When I saw his name, I was like, "Hey, Crycheck's on the show!" So I was excited about that. Good deal. So uh, also. Uh, Anna has been impregnated, so whoever these super soldiers are going to be, we're not sure about Dude, that. Dude, all those eggs? Right. That's just kind of freaky. Well, it's just, and I don't, I don't know if all the women eat their mates, but, as, you know, she said, you know, when she... Did so she eat her mate? She did. Oh, yeah. Oh, she, I missed that. Yeah, at the end, her te- you know, she, these big teeth came out, and uh, she said... Uh, oh, yeah, they implied it. They don't actually show it on network television. Yeah, it was not. To, yeah, you didn't see anything. That's but, right. Uh, so, uh, what do you think about the plot so far? This whole conflict of the alien—I mean, really, that—that that is the plot: the conflict of the alien humans mm-hmm. and them trying to unveil the secrets of the V and us knowing it, but not knowing how the Resistance is really going to do it. Right? It seems—it seems less overt than it was in the original TV series. I mean, the original TV series was pretty, pretty much black and white. Um, but I mean, here I mean the, the V's are doing more to ingratiate themselves with the humans, right? Um, and they're what I like. And, with me, and, me, and media's kind of been playing that up too. Sure, but go ahead. Well, just the the backstory I mean, is that the, the V's have that there have been V's on Earth for a long time, sort of um, manipulating events to make the world in such a state that they need outside help, and so. Um, here come the V's, the, the, you know, the saviors, so to speak. And um, so I, I think the storyline is a little more richer. I mean, I love the original V series, but I think the storyline in this so far is a little more richer than the, the original was because it's uh, – um, it, so far we haven't seen the, the, the resistance, the, 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 the battle between the resistance and the V's yet. But it's coming. It's, it, it is coming. And uh, I think that I like the way that they're taking time to develop this. That it's going to end. So when it happens, you're you, you you're going to be in that place where you just can't wait for it to happen, mm-hmm. and you feel like you know the characters, and so you're going to care what happens to them, right? And so I think that works for me. I'm glad, and they're really establishing, you know, what is the fifth column, who's behind it, um, and you see people. There's sleeper agents on both sides, mm-hmm. and so that's it's kind of cool. And you see the doubt in the anchorman's mind now that's been placed. Now there's been seeds of doubt. I mean, there's always there's seeds of doubt, but at the same time, he's an opportunist. I mean, so, right. But now, now that he he's like you know. So the question is, is he going to come out on the resistance side, or is he going to just fall in with the bees? That remains to be seen. Any guesses? Um, if it if it parallels at all with the original, they they had to anchor a media person in the original series, uh, who was their spokesperson. Um, but she ends up coming, you know, out with help the resistance. But then she ends up getting killed. Uh, so, uh, so maybe something like that. I, I, I that could, that could happen. Yeah. What do you think of the mothership? Interesting. Um, at first, I, I liked missed the, the the traditional saucer ships coming in, but um, but I like what they did with the bottom of the ship. It became one giant TV screen. Right. I thought that was cool. And the uh, inside's kind of cool. What they do with the inside, and it's very modern. Very modern, but also, you know, it's it looks like a, a, a city inside. It's not um, – we haven't seen a lot of it. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of the ship. I mean, so there's there's more to explore. But, I mean, Anna has showed a Tyler the engine room. Um, there's this, I guess, living area, which looks like a city. Um, that, that And we've seen Anna's quarters. And um, it's interesting that their, their their consoles are all, like, holograms or whatever, you know. These floating holograms, so it's uh, I guess to show how advanced they are. They don't need real consoles; they just bring up a hologram of a console and they. I want a computer like that, Miles. You know what? That's probably not too not too far distant. I'll future. bet. I'll bet. I can't wait. Yeah. I wanted one when I saw it in the Matrix too. You know, in mm-hmm. the second Matrix when they're coming into Zion and they're moving stuff around. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Fringe. We are avid fringe watchers. We absolutely love this show. In fact, I think we commented last week of it being one of the best written shows on television right now, in our mm-hmm. opinion, um, with its intricate plots and so on. And, um, you know, it has progressed over its past two seasons. Um, and when we first started with Fringe, we had all these bizarre things, and we didn't see necessarily how they were linked together. Mm-hmm. And as the season went on, we began to realize, especially through Davy Jones, that there's this other universe that they're tapping into, and once they hit that, 
this show took on a different reality. And so this show, this, this season, second season, has kind of been playing with this parallel universe and with the whole discovery that Peter is from this. Right. I, the, the episode they did with Walter, you know, telling um, Angel Dunham what, how it happened and how they made him, I thought they did a pretty good job making him look, you know, 25 years younger. Um, but uh, just, you know, a different character. He was a different man back then. Uh, I, I like how he, he played, uh, you know, he's a bit damaged now, which is kind of something adds to his charm, but mm. just how he, you know, he was a lot more resolute, you know, 25 years ago. And um, and just him, you know, it was originally, he was, it was original intention not to steal his, you know, um, uh, what's the right word? Um, uh, counterpart's uh, son, you know, it was just, you know, he wanted to cure him too. It was, it was, it was definitely a, you know, a mission of mercy on his part, but... Um, once he brought him to the other side, and you know, his just, wife you know, saw he, him, and he, he, you know, he couldn't bring him back. It was just like you know, it was like you know, couldn't take their son away again. So you know, in one aspect, without knowing that, it seemed like a very callous move on his part. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly, understanding the backstory gives you an understanding of Walter. And I think that's one of the things that Fringe does so well is it gives you they're able to create a sympathy, or you're able to identify and feel the emotions those characters are going through. So you care about Olivia and the Cortexafan trials and the way she was treated then. Mm-hmm. You care about Walter. You care about Peter a little bit and his disconnection with life, right. um, which we're going to see come to a head potentially this next episode, this Thursday. But even if not, you know, this whole struggle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't totally judge and harp on Walter. I mean, uh, you tell he had the best of intentions of going to the other side. I mean, um, you know, he, he had the medicine with him. It's just the one woman tried to stop him from going through and the medicine got destroyed. So he yeah. had to bring him to the other side to yeah. give him the medicine. So. so, I mean, how true this is life to, to life though. I mean, we see a situation, we hear a story, we, we judge it based on that. Uh, if we get a chance to actually sit down and talk to the person, we get a little bit of a different side of a perspective that, mm-hmm. While we may still judge a story the same way, we have a little bit of sympathy and mercy in there as well, and I think you kind of see that. Right. And that's, that's been played up the past two episodes as well, and especially this last one, White Tulip, mm-hmm. where they're doing some time travel here, and Walter's really struggling to say, how am I going to tell Peter that he's not from this universe? Right. Um, that, that, was, that was a beautiful ending at the last, last week's episode. It was, you know, what's in this letter? Well, it's just a picture of a white tulip, but... It was like that's, it's like that's, a sign from God that, for him. That's what he was looking for. Yeah. You know, just you know, he, here's he, here's the thing. I I'm convinced. And this is actually part of my fringe code of the week last week for fringe casting with Wayne and Dan. Was I'm convinced that Peter innately knows that he's not from this universe. You know, he made that whole comment on deja vu's. He doesn't have him because he's not in the right place. Right. He's made a couple comments about that that I think that down deep in his heart he knows that he's not. There's Not just a disconnect. Like you said, there's definitely a disconnect. I mean, I remember a G.I. Joe toy said, I, I thought the scar was on the other side, you know, just, uh, you know, so it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see him put it all together. And I think that he, I, I'm convinced that he will be the one that puts it together, that mm-hmm. it won't be Olivia, you know, Astrid or, or Walter that will, that will out Peter. It'll be Peter that outs himself. He says, oh, yeah. I think that's my guess. I'm putting, putting money on it. Putting money on it. Let us know your thoughts and fringe if you want. We absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love this show, though. It's definitely worth a while. And uh, are we going to see more Nimoy? That's my question. They keep teasing us. They keep There's talking rumors. About, yeah. I hear rumors coming through the news. And uh, I, we need some William Bell. That's all I'm saying. William Bell. William Bell. William Bell. I think we'll, we'll get him. Maybe maybe the season finale. Um, but, you know, it's, it's enough to get Leonard Nimoy to – out of retirement of acting, so yep, yep. So I, I'm excited, excited mm-hmm. about it. And we, of course, talked about him being in Twitter, and he's called the real Nimoy in Twitter, right? Right. So very cool stuff. Well, let's talk about flash forward, and then we'll move into our interview, and we'll talk about our other shows in Sci-Fi After Hours. Uh, why don't you bring us into flash forward? Go ahead, Miles. Well, flash forward. Um, it's been accused of of um, moving very slowly. Um, last part of season one. But when, since it's come back, it just seems like every episode, something really happens to move the story along. Um, they've, um, 
they've been to Somalia. They've seen these these, these structures that um, had a part in bringing the flash forward. Um, as far as moving on with what the characters and their flash forward, uh, what they've seen, um, they're, they're 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 a lot closer to fulfilling that or trying to um, not so much do the opposite, try to, you know, because um, some of them in their flash forwards have an unpleasant uh, situation at the end, but um, or, or some don't have a flash forward at all. And then it's like with the character of, D- of Dimitri, no, um, is he going to survive? Um, um, so, um, so each episode is now really, they, they keep, they seem like to get a, a huge leap to, you know, move the story along. Let me tell you, my wife and I were watching two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was two episodes ago, or three episodes ago. It was the one where they were actually in Somalia. Mm-hmm. And the thing that made us jump, said, it was like that, that instance when they're in the bunker and suddenly D. Gibbons speaks directly to John Cho, right? Mm-hmm. John Cho's character. And, and, uh, he says, he, he speaks like he's, and this is something that was recorded like 12 years prior. Right. And when that happened, I was like, "What? We got to watch the next episode." And the mm-hmm. next episode wasn't quite as good, but it, this is a, this is what flash forward does well: is it drops in these moments that leave you hanging and wanting more. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's an aspect to it that it it almost reads like a like clue, a mystery. You're putting the pieces together and you're trying to figure it out with the characters as it's going along. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love it. And by the way, I love D. Gibbons. I first saw him. He was the. <laughs> did you ever watch Twenty Four? No, I haven't. Season one of Twenty Four. He was the evil villain. Okay. Uh, one of the head villains in that. Uh, Michael Mass Massey Mass. I'm probably pronouncing his name. You can correct me, listeners, if I'm wrong. But um, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the characters here, since we're talking about a character. I love D. Gibbons. By the way, he really seems sinister. And we, of course, have Persephone that kind of is in league with him somehow. Mm-hmm. I call her Persephone from The Matrix, but the girl that played Persephone in The Matrix that is also in here. But what do you think of some of our main cast here? I'm thinking of, like, Joseph Fiennes. Um, go uh, ahead. He, he, he's good. Um, you know, he's trying to not um, – I mean, he, he's got a lot of things going on. I mean, I mean, he ever. I mean his wife's flash forward. She's with another guy. You know, in his flash forward, he, he he's drunk, and then he sees these guys in, in black. You know, you know, getting ready to shoot him. Um, the character, I forget the character's name, but he's his uh, sponsor, his AA sponsor. Right. Um, I don't have that right here. Um, let me see here. Go ahead. Uh, Aaron Aaron Stark. I mean, uh, his uh, sponsor. Um, I mean. He seems like you know a normal guy doing a construction job, but he has a very interesting past himself. <laughs> Does he ever? Right. Boy, you get to see the violent side of him, don't you? Well, it, it was when the one episode where um, he's confronting this guy, and he says, you know, in, in um, he's he's had to learn to keep the animal caged in, and then when he said when he was in prison, you know, he he let the animal out. And he said that's what he did now, and and, and, no, and he's doing some crazy things now. Um, but he, you know, he's trying to save his daughter. His daughter's been kidnapped. He thought she was dead originally, but uh, so there's that mystery with that, that company that uh, is involved there. And uh, that, that last week's episode took another leap towards maybe some of the resolution of him trying to get his daughter back. Yeah, and uh, he's being used by the FBI to get intel on his company. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Interesting, some interesting character development here, and some fascinating characters. I agree. I think the show has picked up since the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have not checked out Flash Forward, it is well worth working your way through the first couple episodes just to establish character. And when the ball gets rolling, especially after this break, when it's come back, it's come back strong, in my opinion. Uh, what makes this show sci-fi? Well. It, it's this 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 event that get, that everybody was knocked out for two minutes and then they saw their future, you know, six you know six months from from where they were and so um, there there is and and there, there there's the in the story trying to figure out what did it what caused it and we're learning about what what did it what caused it I was going to mention. Um, um, 
Mary from Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, Dominic uh, Monaghan, who plays uh, Simon uh, Campos. Um, he's another interesting character, but him and um, the uh, Jack, Jack Davenport plays Lloyd uh, Simcoe. Something they did in combination with something else caused the flash forward. Right. Or at least that's what they're suggesting at this right. point. Right, exactly. And uh, so there's some mystery involved because he built this device, mm-hmm. but a year before he thought of it, it was built. Right, exactly. And that, that was another thing that you talk about that when they were in Somalia, um, the um, um, uh, Dyson Frost, I mean, he, he's talking to him too in, the, in those old VHS tapes. Uh, Interesting. I wonder if he built it based on his design, a design that he got from his flash forward. Mm-hmm. That might be another way that Dyson built that machine. So there is that. How, how did this yeah, machine get built back in the '90s when it wasn't conceived till you know? And I, it's it, here's the thing: it is really a mystery show in some ways. Yes, yes. Um, science only in science fiction only in that there's science involved and that it's a plot device. It's a plot device, mm-hmm. really. Um, but a good show, worth checking out. If you have not checked out Flash Forward, please go check it out. You can rent the DVDs. Uh, the the, oh, the uh, first half, yeah. First half of season one is out on DVD now. Yeah. Well, Miles, we have a couple other shows to talk about, but let's talk about them after hours. we okay. got to get people into our Brown Coats interview. Before we do that, we have This Week in Star Trek. This Week this in Star Trek. All right, fellow Trek fans, uh, tonight we're recording our show. We are recording it the night, uh, the day of uh, George Decay's birthday. Happy birthday, George. Happy birthday, George. Um, he turns the big 7-3, but you can't tell. The man is... Uh, Ageless. Yes, I mean... Uh, he looks I, just like he did, you know, in the 60s. Maybe, well, <laughs> let's, just say, quite. let's just say this. When I met him... Um, once the late 80s and then once the late 90s, this man's a marathon runner. You know, like 10 mile, 20 mile, you know. So this guy's probably going to keep on going strong when he is and in his 90s. So, George, whatever you're doing, um, keep it up, man. You, um, you're looking good there. You can, you can carry yourself. And did we explain this segment at all? Or did we sleep right in the news? Uh, we, we, we did explain it. We did. Good. All right. Well, move on. We have some more news. Move along. Move along. Okay. Well, uh, there's been some... Um, Little interviews with uh, some of the castmates uh, from the last Star Trek movie, uh, just talking about um, you know when is Star Trek Twelve going to be uh, written, filmed. Uh, Zoe Zeldana was interviewed recently, and um, Carl Urban was interviewed recently. Both of them said that probably they'll start writing, work on a script this year, and uh, maybe maybe start working on next. You know, we've been we've been hearing rumors of a script for a long time. Right. At one point, we said, "Oh, it's over half written." All those rumors not true now. It, it just it, nothing, nothing official. Nothing official at this point. Right. It seems like sometimes they contradict each other. So, I don't think we have anything to fear. We are going to get another Star Trek movie in a couple of years. It's just a matter of when. And I think all the cast have signed on for a three movie deal. Is that what you've heard? That's what I heard too. Yes. That's heard. So, uh, hey. We're looking forward. We can't wait. Mm-hmm. It'll give us more to talk about. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the diner for our main course slash second plate we are bringing you an interview that miles we are really excited about yes we saw this uh, trailer for uh this uh, firefly fan film and uh it looks good yeah we saw it down at far point and this is where we got a chance to interview the man behind the movie we had a chance to sit down with producer director michael c uh, doherty and, and he put together this project, a lot of donated time, a lot of donated materials. He is doing the very first Firefly fan film. Right. Uh, the, the first one that's being released, at least. Right. I think there have been a couple that they are still trying to get off the ground, but it uh, looks like he's going to get his off the ground before any of them. Yeah. Comic-Cons. Do out Comic-Cons. Mm-hmm. We're about a half year away, maybe a little bit less. Mm-hmm. But this is a great interview. Really good guy. And... 
the best thing about this movie is all monies that they raise through it are going to charity. Right, and uh, Joss Whedon put his uh, stamp of approval on. Absolutely, and so you know that this is going to be at least competent and good. So we're excited about it. Right. You know, we're fans of fan films. I mean, that's reality. Star Trek fan films, Star Wars, mm-hmm. we talked about them. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, Trenches, right. uh, the guy that did Trenches on. And this is a absolute uh, a genre that we are interested in, and so we're excited about talking to these guys. We were. Yes. All right, well, we won't hold it up. We're going to play the trailer for this, and then we're going to hear the interview. A light was shown on a long, long forgotten nightmare. This nightmare has been a reality that results in the loss of many lives on the edge of this great universe. Miranda coming to light. We've seen more and more unrest from the fringe. There have been rumblings that some independent supporters here in the Corps have become more public with their view on a change of faculty within the Alliance. Nothing's changed. The core plan is still holds, but we've always known the outer rim to be an issue. I need you to find one of any number of the bottom-dwelling ships, like the crew that has made a mockery of the Alliance, and make an example of them. To continue success the Alliance, we need to reinstill fear back into the hearts and heads of every bottom-feeding smuggler who thinks the Alliance has been weakened by Miranda. Just do your part to erase Miranda from the minds of the simple. Well, we're sitting with Mike Doherty, not to be confused with... Michael Doherty, who wrote Superman Returns and X-Men 2. There, there we go. And uh, they are doing... Uh, and he's in charge... You're one of the guys in charge of the new director? Serenity movie. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, the writer, director, co-producer, co-creator of Brown Coats Redemption. Say that again. Brown Coats Redemption, which is a uh, fan-made sequel to... More like a spin-off to Serenity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story takes place three months after Mal hits the button at the end of the movie, and this new crew on the opposite end of the verse has to now deal with all the things that the big damn heroes created. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. We're excited because we're both very much in the uh, lovers of Serenity and obviously you my t-shirt. Are. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So, um... How did this project all get started? Let's, let's start at the beginning and then kind of work our way through a little bit. Um, back in July of 2008, Steve Fisher, one of our uh, co-creators and co-producers, uh, came to me and said, have you ever thought of doing a Firefly fan film? And at that point, I'd never thought of doing it. So I just decided, sure, yeah. Um, I set my mind to it. We knocked out a, a plot line that felt very much in line with Firefly. Um, wrote the script, got created a uh, Facebook group. Social media has been very good to us. Uh, attained about 500 members in the first 30 days. And in that time, we did a table read made up primarily of about 80% of the people from Facebook um, who came out, took different parts of the script, read their script, read their characters, gave notes, and have stayed on board. Uh, from there, we went right into January with auditions, February and March with rehearsals, and then April through July of last year, we filmed. Uh, we wrapped everything up at the end of July, went right into September with Dragon Con, did a trailer, and have been in post-production ever since. Very cool. So, so it's all in the can. It's all in the can. There's not a damn thing left to film, <laughs> and I feel pretty good about that. That would be. So now it's all effects work, and, and you, you're working with uh, Michael Strzok from UFX. Correct. He's been uh, pretty critical in making sure we look good. We interviewed Michael last August. Was he on board at that time? He had mentioned, he had mentioned something. Yeah, he, he had just come on board at about that time. Yeah, because he had mentioned he was kind of uh, doing a little bit with that, and uh, we, of course, ran to him through the uh, Starship Farragut guys. Great guys. The, the irony is that uh, John from Farragut went to Steve and was like, is anybody doing in these things? And that's really what started the ball rolling. So it's kind of come full circle with us for Farpoint because without John kicking off the idea, we probably wouldn't be here today. Without NeoFX, we wouldn't have the effects we have. So it's kind of this nice little community of people that have all worked together. Yeah, and they do a nice effects job. We really have appreciated the work they've done. And, yeah. And uh, it's just a neat guy to work with. Definitely. So uh, now, 
is that the process? Is, that, is he adding the effects in now, or does the movie still need to be edited and brought down into... Well, we shot on a Red One, which is a high-def high camera that right. does 100% digital. And the issue with that is that only two types of file formats are work on it, or programs. So you have Final Cut Pro on Max, and then most recently Adobe Premiere. So we have to take all of that high-end, high-file-size program file and then merge the audio with it. So that's the most labor-intensive thing, is just syncing the audio. It's taken about two months just to get probably about 60% of what we have done. Wow. Um, from there, we take it and, and start going scene by scene. Um, what I'm getting ready to send off to Mike this weekend is a nice little shot list of all the effect shots that we definitely need, and we're going to do those separate, because we're treating this movie more like an episode of Firefly, in the sense that the effect shots really were the segue between what's going on to let you know where they are, what's going on, um, with the exception of the message, which is when the first time you really saw them in a space battle. Um, really, it's just transition, like they're flying off the planet, they're flying in space, they're landing somewhere, and he's taking care of a lot of that for us. Very cool. Uh, tell us about the ship and the crew. Of, uh, is, is, is the ship called Redemption? The ship is called Redemption. It is a Scarab-class vessel. We wanted to keep in line with uh, Justice Beetle and, and Bug type thing. Uh, it's a lot smaller than the Firefly vessel, and it was probably what Mal and Zoe would have been waiting for if you know they would have been saved on Serenity Valley. It's more like a troop transport ship, kind of like the boats in Normandy type thing. Nice. Um, it's smaller, it holds a smaller crew, and in the crew we only have um, seven main characters. One of them comes in through the story, who's our pilot. Uh, Captain is Laura Matthews, she served in the Unification War. Um, we tried to tie a lot of the things that were already established verse, things that were mentioned in the comic books, like the Battle of Sturgis, the space battle, which is where she fought in... Um, Things that are mentioned in passing, either in the, the novelization or the, the comic books and the graphic novels and, the, and things of that nature. Um, Cameron Allen, who was their medic, fought with her in the war. Then through that, uh, they picked up a bunch of different people, like Lux Luker, their, their security, uh, James Banks the third, who does their uh, job finding for them. Then two me a mechanic and an engineer, who are the younger guys, uh, named Jack Haddington and uh, Brett Gray. So it's a really diverse kind of a family-oriented people, and they get thrown into having to take on this new pilot that, you know, once you have that niche unit, and you know, like, with friends, once you have your core group, any new person's going to rub somebody the wrong way. Right. And that's kind of what they have to deal with while trying to do a job that they normally wouldn't do. Uh, the crew of Redemption would take the jobs that um, Mal would hate. Like, they'd take the bobbly-headed dolls and the cows and all the honest jobs that would, you know, Nobody else would take, but they're they're still clean. And because of everything going on with Miranda, they have to start taking the jobs that Mal would love to do, the things that Mal really gets like, you know, his kicks off of. And they hate it. It's not their style. And and in true Firefly fashion, everything possibly could go wrong goes wrong. It wouldn't be a show without it. It wouldn't be a story without it. Yeah, it wouldn't be. Now, a crew without a companion. Well, it's really interesting. In Firefly, Mal even points it out. It's like you know. Companions don't stay on ships like that, so Inara was not the norm. And, you know, he called her out on it, and she's just like, well, you know, it's, it's business for me, it's business for you. And A little bit more than business. Apparently so. <laughs> let's, let's see where that one likes to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we don't have any love tension. There's nobody uh, into each other on the ship, at least not yet. Um, we, I, I wanted to make sure that the characters were true to the verse, but not carbon copies of anything you've seen before. Right. I mean, there's elements that you could say, okay, that's a little bit Xander, that's a little bit, you know, from Buffy, there's a little bit of book there with the, you know, stoicism or something, but not one-offs. Sure. Now, do we see, like, do you see the, uh, um, let me say, let me back up. Do you see the, the hands of blue? No hands of blue. Uh, they're too busy going after River. Uh, you do see a lot of the alliance. You get a little bit more of an alliance story on this one. Um, it's kind of a subplot, which is the in the trailer that we have right. uh, of an officer who has to go after them or make an example of ships because of what Serenity did. So, because of Mal and his actions, he's now make it more difficult for other people like him in the verse. So, are you able to? set for us the premise of the story. I mean, you kind of gave us the premise. What, can you tell us the storyline without giving too much away, or is that kind of 
Wait, no, wait, wait, wait till the movie comes out. I, I can tell you a little bit. Um, the crew of Redemption have to take their first job that now that they never do before. So they have to do something illegal. Uh, jobs are getting complete, more and more scarce. People are more and more skeptical since Miranda and not wanting to get involved with the Alliance. So taking their first job, they also get saddled with this new pilot. So they have to do a job they hate. They have to deal with a person that they're that's completely rubbing them raw in the way that they normally do things. And they have to deal with the fact that the Alliance is looking for somebody to take the blame for Miranda because publicly nobody knows it was the crew of Serenity. And that's kind of where we are. Very cool, very cool. And when, um, when's the first time the fans will be able to see this? Labor Day weekend. We're looking to release it either February or the Friday or Saturday of Labor Day weekend. DVDs will go available, become available online and at the Dragon Con convention that Saturday. Cool. Cool. And will they, will people be able to watch it online as well? We're trying to do, um, a broad screening so we can do an in-person screening for people that are, are at Dragon Con, but also stream it live online a la Dr. Horrible, the way they did that. So you could watch it for free online and then place your order for, you know, a donation. And that's one thing I do have to stress is because we are a nonprofit, we're raising money for five charities, which are Equality Now, Kids Need to Read, Al Wooten Jr. Heritage Foundation, Marine Corps Law Enforcement Fund, and uh, the Selexia Foundation. And those charities were picked because they're either co-founded or sponsored or supported by the Big Damn Heroes. Um, so all of our proceeds, minus the cost of producing the DVD, which is maybe like a dollar, goes to the charities. Uh, what we're looking to do is raise... Mm, 32,000 units, or sell 32,000 units over the course of a year. And that number was picked because that was the exact number that the Serenity Collector's Edition tin, uh, that was probably value of 50 bucks, went in the first weekend it came out. So if Serenity's Collector's Edition could do that in one weekend, with all the conventions and the fans, we could definitely make that in a year. That would raise half a million dollars for the charities, split five ways is about $90,000 for each charity. For like Kids Need to Read, now Wooten Junior Heritage Center, that is two new staff members and a marketing campaign. I mean, it's life-changing for them if we can actually accomplish this. So will it be a suggested donation then as far as the amount that someone pays for a DVD? There will be uh, a minimum of a $15 donation. Then you get the gift of the DVD. I mean, to, to stress it, because it's cult, uh, derivative works, because there's copyright issues, we cannot sell the product. Exactly. But if you make a donation to our nonprofit organization, which we created, which is Big Damn Fan Films, we give you the gift of the DVD. Right. And then that, that donation gets turned and split five ways to the charities. Uh, we also have T-shirts available that you can get online currently. Um we're doing uh, auctions and different events. Like, we held the first ever Baltimore Can't Stop the Serenity last year to raise money for Equality Now. We raised uh, about $1,700 to get Kids Need to Read their first booth at Kid, uh, Dragon Card. We just auctioned off a signed Jane Cobb maquette, signed by um, Adam Baldwin, and he did a special little video message for the winner, plus a copy of um, Done the Impossible, signed by Brian Weiser, that went for the Marine Corps Law Enforcement Fund. And the reason we're doing that is we're trying to make sure that while we're not, we don't have anything out, we can highlight the charities as we go along. Right. Because right. that, while we do want to put new content out, the charity aspect is really, you know, parallel to what we're doing with the movie. Right. You want to keep it in balance. Exactly. Yeah, very good. Very cool. That's awesome. How many people have been involved in this project? Uh, anywhere from about 183 to 200 people. We've had people travel all over the United States from California, Massachusetts, um, North Carolina, all over, to help out. That's so so huge fan base. Huge, huge fan base, and it was really surprising because it was a grassroots fan base for us. Um, like I said, we created the Facebook fan group, and we just expected that to be a way that we could start giving information out. We didn't expect that to be the catalyst to introduce us to over fourteen hundred people. I just I want to have fun. Let's now, try to find something now, that'll mostly donations to put this thing up. Uh, we put this film together. Uh, a lot of grants to put it together. I mean, what's no grants? Um, a lot of us in the in the a lot of our producers we put our own funds in, and then from that we were able to get donations like uh, Frontier Town in Ocean City, Maryland donated four weekends that we could film our rim to planet in. So we got this huge set, the Hollywood looking set with working buildings that we can go in and out of for four weekends, which was great. That's awesome. Um, we got a state park in Bowie, Maryland donated the weekend day so we could film our alliance scene, which you can see in the current trailer. Right. Um, 
which is great because they had that water fountain in the back, and we're like, killer! Um, and then St. John's Properties donated four months' worth of their warehouse space for us to build our entire ship space, our ship set. So because of donations like that, where we were able to use those, plus the cash that we've infused to it, I mean, it's just everything's worked in line for us to do this. Now, have you figured out what it would cost you? $150,000. To put, put, it, put it all together. If, if we did the... If you paid people, if you... Yeah, it would... Uh, we, since we used the red one, I mean, we got really fortunate. We It got donated to us for the first 75% of the filming. Then we had to pay for it the last couple weekends. Um, and that was $750 a weekend. So $750 times 14, or times 7, uh, would just be a huge. Then paying the actors, if we actually had to rent the, the warehouse space, that was looking to be probably about maybe $10,000 per month if we'd have been there. And then Frontier Town has an hourly rate of $250 an hour to rent it for filming. So you can imagine how the numbers start stacking up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, if any chance, can you see yourself making more fan films? Um, I've got ideas for sequels. I've got ideas for, for future stories. I'd like to keep this going, whether it be um, a continuation in a web series format or more films. But bottom line is I don't feel comfortable moving forward with those ideas until this one's done. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, if, if we can make our goal and we do it, that's when it's the great time to start planning forward. But until that time, it's it's just nice to have that dream of something to look forward to. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we appreciate you sitting down and talking with you about uh, the Brown Coat Redemption. Thank you. Due out this fall, and we can look forward to it. Thank you. And where can they find out the information? I don't know if we said this, but what can you give us the website that people can go to to find out more about this, to watch the trailers that we've seen? Absolutely. The movie website is browncoatsmovie.com. You can follow us on Twitter at browncoatsmovie.com as well, or browncoatsmovie. Uh, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch those live or watch our updates there. And that's youtube.com backslash Browncoats Movie. There's kind of a theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook, Browncoats Movie. Uh, it's Browncoats Move because somebody went ahead and, and did Browncoats Movie as a, fan, a vanity URL. Oh, wow. So uh, a lot of people think we, we did a spelling error, but unfortunately, somebody had already claimed Browncoats Movie from us. But do, you can, do what you can. We do what we can. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting here and chatting with us about the Brown Coats Redemption. I appreciate you guys taking the time and listening to us. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Michael C. Doherty. We're about ready to wrap up the show tonight, but before we do, we have our Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and tonight, Miles is giving us his thoughts on the top five sci-fi weapons of all time. Right. So, uh, first one is, um, I always liked this as a child. I thought it was a cool gun, and I think still think it was a cool gun. Um, the original series Battlestar Galactica laser pistol that the Colonial Warriors used when they were fighting off the Cylons. Ooh, that is a cool one. Yes. And um, if you ever go to a sci-fi convention, you can see them at the, uh, the replica stands. Uh, another one, I had I had the toy version of this when I was a, a child, Han Solo's Hand Blaster. Oh, yeah. Yes, I can see Do you know what the, what the model that is? Is I, it like a D, D-40? Uh, I, I should know this, but I don't. Anyways, move I, on. Uh, third one, um, new Battlestar Galactica. I like the sidearm that the, that the humans had. Um, and this one is conventional. It shoots, it, you know, it shoots bullets, but also had like a rocket uh, pro, um, uh, projector on it too. I mean, so I think that was all used to fight the Cylons. I thought that was a pretty cool gun. Um, next one, Luke's, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi, the, the, the green bladed one. I thought that was a pretty cool uh, lightsaber. And uh, my um, Final one, uh, the Star Trek phaser, pretty much in any incarnation. I've always liked the Star Trek phasers. Yeah, I was going to say, if the phaser doesn't make your list, there's something wrong, Miles. You've known me long enough to know. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so, absolutely. So, this is our Sci-Fi 5 and 5s. Thanks, Miles, for doing that. And if you want to give us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, 
You can call into the show at the one 508 4343 If you're overseas and are not in North America, you can, of course, send that via an MP3 file to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email them to us if you'd like us to read your Sci-Fi 5 and 5. We'll do that. Mm-hmm. Won't we, Miles? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Miles, that's some contact information. Um, they can also, I guess, contact us through Twitter if they want to do it. Uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, I am Son of Warf at Twitter. Yep, and I am I am Scott Hertzog at Twitter. Actually, it's not true. I am Hertzog at Twitter, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G, and also Sci-Fi Diner on Twitter, and you can just tweet us there if you want. And uh, Also, we have our, our Facebook fan page. Please come join us. We are just a few shy from getting our own URL. Yes. yes. So we are excited about that. Mm-hmm. So come join the fan club there and uh, ask questions, and we'll respond to that. And Love to interact with you going there. Absolutely. As well as, of course, on our website, mm-hmm. the com, where we have show notes that are going to tell you a lot more information than we can ever tell you in this podcast. You can leave your comments there. Yep, absolutely. And we'll respond to them mm-hmm. there. And uh, it's just a great way for us to kind of interact with you guys. As always, if you have any thoughts on anything that we said, the interview, the shows we're watching, and you want to comment on them, please let us know. We want to hear from you. We absolutely do. Um, I believe that's about it, Miles. Okay, well then, uh, good night and good luck. We will see ya.